I'm glad you chose to join us today. My name is Pastor John Hardman with the Quincy Church of Nazarene. Nazarene. Today's date is March 7, two, uh, excuse me, 2021. The text I'll be reading to you comes from the Gospel of Mark, starting at chapter 2 and the 23rd verse. It goes as follows. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grains. The Pharisee said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the concentrated bread, which is unlawful only excuse me, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Moving on to, on to the third chapter, Mark 3, 1. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. The reading of God's word. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, on this uh, particular day and on this particular passage, we have Jesus being challenged, and we realize that this happened some 2,000 years ago. But the lessons today are very relevant. So, Father, I recognize that through your Holy Spirit, you are the real teacher here. So, Father, I ask you to take control. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a sad time in the history of the Hebrew people, a time when the, uh, where the Savior, Jesus Christ, becomes active while the religious leaders, the religious parties became jealous. They started acting out in petty behavior. The Bible records that they started bombarding Jesus with questions, accusing him of bad behavior watching his every movement, trying to catch him in some act in which they could discredit him. In our text today, we have two uh, different stories happening and on two different days. They are connected because they both happen on the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath that's in question here. The settings are completely different, but have to do with Sabbath regulations. One took place in a grain field, in somebody's field, the other in the synagogue. 
What began as a private uh, uh, squabble over words and actions of Jesus and his disciples became a full-fledged plan to eliminate Jesus. The verses we read today mark the growing trend to treat Jesus as a threat to the religious leader's authority. What do we know about the Sabbath? Well, we know quite a bit about the Sabbath. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Let me read to you from Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We also know that by observing the Sabbath, it separates the Jewish people from those around them, the Gentiles. For us today, it has become a way to dis that distinguishes God's people from those of the world. The problem with the fourth commandment is how it's understood. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Universally, the Jewish people did not agree on what that really meant. Like today, there were things that just needed to get done on the Sabbath day. Livestock still needed uh, attention. Uh, health workers still had patients to take care of. And the list goes on and on. Throughout history, the Jewish religious leaders took on the issue of keeping the Sabbath day and making it holy upon themselves. In an effort to leave nothing to chance, they came up with a, an additional 39 must-follow rules, one which included reaping, focused on our first story. Many of you know that uh, I have a part-time job as a bus driver for the Quincy School District. Uh, for you who do not know, it's a five-hour commitment of my time uh, throughout the school year. At the start of every year, we have what's called an in-service. It's a mandatory uh, meeting for every driver, and we receive training as part of the in-service. It contains rules and regulations uh, created by trainers, regulators, and sometimes legislators who have never driven a school bus, let alone in Quincy, Washington. Although I have to sign off on them as a package, <laughs> sometimes they seem out of touch. They do not make much sense uh, given our demographics and, and our situation. That is what the problem is with putting life into a nutshell. It's different for everyone. Even with the 39 written add-on rules to keep the Sabbath holy, life happens. In our text, we have Jesus and his five disciples making their way through a grain field. As they walk along, some grab a few heads of grain, rub them be between their palms, and what is separate which would separate the grain from the shaft, leaving the meat of the grain in their hands, which I'm sure they stuck in their mouth. That would be the whole purpose. That simple and even innocent act constituted as work. Why? Because within one of the 39 rules is applause. No harvesting on the Sabbath. <laughs> The religious leaders saw this and asked Jesus why his disciples worked on the Sabbath. In reply, Jesus used the fame King David and his uh, merry men when they were hungry in the days of Abathur the high priest. Eating 
what was lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave them to some to his companions. To that the religious leaders could not debate. And Jesus ended with, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That end, that scene. The second scene is found in Mark chapter 3. You will notice, as we traveled with Jesus through the eyes of Mark, the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders escalate. On another Sabbath, Jesus and his five disciples go to the church, the synagogue. Jesus notices a man present who has a crippled hand, withered. For you and I, it's hard to comprehend that Jesus would have enemies, but he does. And Jesus recognized their presence, the enemy's presence on this particular day. Jesus' enemies were Pharisees. They were spying on Jesus with the intention of find, finding some fault in his actions so that they could condemn him. Why would they be waiting for him at the synagogue? Jesus was a regular uh, customer, if you will. He always went to the synagogue. So they waited. Jesus' reputation for healing, healing preceded him. But would he dare heal on the Sabbath with the Pharisees watching? <laughs> God's law prohibited work on the Sabbath. Excuse me. On, uh, let me start over. God's law prohibited work on the seventh day of the week. Thus, the religious leaders allowed no healing to be done on the Sabbath unless the person's life was in danger. Healing, they argued, was practicing medicine, and a person could not practice his or her profession on the Sabbath. Jesus knew he was being set up. He knew his adversaries were watching to see if he would heal on the Sabbath or not. They expected him to heal this man with the withered hand. What would Jesus do? We know the answer. But if the tables were turned and it was you put on the spot for your faith, what would you do? It is getting increasingly easier to go along with the crowd today. When put on the spot where your adversaries are watching you, Will you do what pleases God, or will you cave? We hear the stories about Jesus, and some might think uh, he was a peace-at-any-price kind of guy, but he wasn't. He would rather die than be disobedient to God. It is always easier to take the path of least, least resistance than to take on a confrontation. I know because I'm speaking from experience. Not Jesus, though. He wanted to make an important point on this particular day. He would not be bound by the religious leader's burdensome laws. And that was God. And that was as God. He would perform an act of kindness and healing, even on the Sabbath. Because Jesus is God's Son. Jesus is deity. Jesus invites the man with a deformed hand to come to the center of the crowd so everyone can see him with, and his deformity. Jesus' adversaries would not miss anything of what Jesus was about to do. 
With the stage set, Jesus challenges his opponents with this question. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But his adversaries remain silent. <laughs> the religious leaders who were the guardian of the Jewish faith, these men were so spiritually were so spiritually and uh, and and uh, uh, hardened that they could not see who Jesus really was. They could not even acknowledge uh, a man's need or rejoice in his healing. No wonder Jesus was angry and disturbed. Regardless of their stubbornness, Jesus planned to heal this man. So Jesus told the man to stretch out his hand. In response to Jesus, in response to Jesus's command, and with all eyes focused on him, the man stretched his hand out in front of him. The moment he did so, he became normal again. He became whole again. Jesus could have taken the path of least resistance and waited for the following day to heal this man. But that would have elevated the religious leader's petty laws to the same level as God's law. God is a God of people, not of rules. The very moment that this crippled man extended his arm, he was made whole. <laughs> At that very moment, Jesus gave that man his life back. Can you imagine how his life changed? <laughs> Instead of a club of a limb, unuseful, blood started cursing through his veins. Right in front of his very eyes, if he held it up to his uh, face, he'd see the skin filled with tissue and muscles. Where once was a shriveled limb, was now whole, now perfect. He could work again. He wouldn't have to be a, a charity page patient any longer. He no longer had to face the embarrassment of his deformity. Jesus still offers this wholeness today. Your need may be physical. It may be a spiritual void in your life. You may be experiencing hardship of various kinds, but there is hope today because of who Jesus is. He longs to reach out and touch you right where you are today. What is your greatest need? Jesus is there. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, in this particular passage, Jesus is challenged uh, by the add-on laws of, of uh, Sabbath. But Jesus prioritized people over rules. And then we looked at the man who uh, had the shriveled hand. And Jesus reached out, brought healing to this man, wholeness to this man, gave this man his life back. 
for many of us, that's our story. For many of us, life wasn't worth living before Jesus touched us, changed us, made us whole. So whether it's a physical need, a financial need, a spiritual need, Jesus is still your answer. He's right there beside you. Confess your sins. Invite him in. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next week, God bless you. Bye.